So if you didn't know, Sultan and Elizabeth uh, leading our worship this morning, they're with YWAM, and uh, we love them, don't we? Yeah, so fun. <laughs> but the Lord is leading them away from us. I know it. Can you believe it? So uh, the YWAM base here in Reading is uh, moving to Colorado. And so they're here for about another month or so, month and a half, two months, uh, end of May, 1st of June, and they're going to be out of here. Hopefully they'll be able to come back and visit every once in a while. That's uh, kind of the hope is actually to bring some teams back here to Reading uh, for a couple of weeks or something at different times. And so anyway, hopefully we'll see them. But uh, this uh, probably won't be your last time leading worship, but uh, it's one of our last times getting to worship with you. And so I just wanted to recognize that and just love what you guys do. And I really love those songs, and the words of the songs were so, oh, so good. Anyway, so thank you guys. We love you. We're going to miss you, but we know God has beautiful plans. Yeah, that's yeah, good. All right, so this uh, morning we are back in Genesis. Uh, really, this is kind of a weird uh, week uh, as far as preaching was, because I wasn't sure what God was going to do. He took me out of Genesis for Palm Sunday and Easter, and so I thought, okay, I got this one Sunday then that's kind of in this weird spot because I'm done with Easter, uh, and then next week we've got Xavier, and the week after we've got uh, Good News Rescue Mission, so it's like, what do I do with this? You know, Do I just jump back into e in Genesis, or do I do some you know, topical message or whatever for this week? Anyway, we ended up back in Genesis, so here we are, so it's good. Uh, we'll get one week in Genesis, we'll get a couple of week break, and then we'll be back in Genesis when we get into May. So I uh, wanted to, before we get back into Genesis fully this morning in this message, I wanted to kind of remind us where we've been in a sense, but also to give you a little bit of idea of kind of where I'm going, because, you know, as you know, we've done uh, five messages on Genesis, and, uh, and we've only got through the third verse of Genesis chapter one. So you're like, whoa, what's going on? And, and now today we're going to jump uh, up to verse 26 in Genesis. So we're going to make a lot of progress today. Uh, but anyway, get down to 26, and you're going to wait a second, we're missing other stuff. And so I wanted to give you an idea of kind of my strategy here as we go through, especially these first three chapters of Genesis. And what I, I feel like the Lord has led me to do is we're going to look at Genesis 1, 1 to 3, or chapter 1 through chapter 3, through, so through the fall, right? You know, the garden and the fall and all that. We're going to look first of all, at who God is. So what do we learn about God in those first three chapters? And so we've already done that, set it up. You know, we've been talking uh, the first couple of, or the last couple of messages were about, you know, the attributes of God, like who is God? And, and, and specifically, we've looked at the non-transferable attributes of God. In other words, these are things that only God is. None of us are, or no other being is. Infinite, right? He is infinite. He's the only one that is infinite, infinite right? He is self-existent. He is the only one who is self-existent. He doesn't pass those things on to us. Uh, immutable, right? He's the only one who is unchanging. So these are uh, attributes of God that are not transferable to others or to his creation. And so we've been looking at those, and that's been great. And we're going to continue, though, looking at the different attributes of God all the way through, that are revealed to us all the way through chapter 3. Once we get to the end of chapter 3, then we're going to go back to Genesis 1, and then we're going to start looking at Genesis 1 through 3 from the perspective of creation. 
So God creates. And so again, we're going to still be learning about God and his attributes, but we're going to look at what that looks like in creation, right? So how God created, why he created, what's the purpose of creation. So we'll probably spend two, maybe three weeks on creation. And then once we get through creation through chapter three, we're going to go back again to Genesis chapter one, and then we're going to look at Genesis one through three in regards to humanity. So he created us, and we're in his image. We're different than the rest of creation. And so we're going to talk about what we learn about God and what we learn about who we are based on those three chapters. Okay, so anyway, so that's the strategy for the next a couple of months or so as we're going through uh, Genesis, just so you know. So don't feel like today we're going to jump to 26 and we've missed 4 through 25. Like, whoa, Shani, what are you doing? Skipping all this. That's all the fun stuff, right? No, no, no. We're, we're, we're just kind of zeroing in right now on God kind of proper, you know, attributes of God. And then once we get through that, we'll come back and we'll look at those verses more specifically in regards to creation. And then, of course, in regards to humanity as we move on. Okay? So just so you know, that's the strategy. Hopefully that will help and uh, you won't panic when I skip stuff that you're like, oh, you can't skip that. Um, yes, I can. I just did it. So there. Um, anyway, so in uh, regards to today, so what we start, saw, I, I want to start with a, a review specifically now of our last message in Genesis, which was on the Trinity, if you remember. And now, it, it was kind of a transition point in our conversation about who God is, because we were looking at these non-transferable attributes of God, but with the Trinity, we begin to see now the transferable attributes of God, which then he has created us with, right? And so we saw in the Trinity that, first of all, God is one, right? He is just, there's this one God, and that basically, we kind of outline how that means that you, you can't break God into parts, right? Whatever he is, all of him is that. So if he's love, he's, he's all of him is love. There's not just a, a section or a portion of him that's love. If all of him is infinite, then it's, you, know, you can't just take, take his infinitude and put it over in a corner. Well, just, just part of him is infinite. No, all of him is infinite. So whatever he is, he, all of him is that thing. So he's one. You can't break him into parts. And in regards to the Trinity, we saw this, this attribute of personhood. That, that God is a person, that he has personhood. And so as God being one, we have to understand that that personhood works through, he's all of him is personhood, right? That, 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 that personhood is all of him. So you, you don't have a, a love that's not including personhood, right? Personhood and love, they, they go together in this God kind of essence that we have. All right, so you can't break up this this uh, personhood of God. All of God is a person. However, and this is where our minds start to get blown. We also recognize again in the Trinity that that personhood exists in three persons, <laughs> and so we have the oneness of God's personhood, but we have the threeness. Of God's of of His personality in essence, right? There's three different persons in the personhood, right? So oneness, one personhood. That personhood exists in three persons. This is hard to understand, certainly, but understand that the three persons, you know, I talked about how it's not modalism. Like sometimes we look at, well, God's just one, and so he can't be three, and so he's just one. So there's just three different ways that God expresses himself to us. That's modalism, right? You know, that sometimes he express, he, you know, we see, he shows up as a father. Sometimes he shows up as a son. Other times he shows up as a spirit. No, no, no. That's modalism. That's not Trinity. Trinity means that he's one, but yet he has three persons. 
persons who are distinct from one another. They're different than one another, right? There's this difference within him. And the differences we outlined last time, there's several different ways that he's different, that the persons are different. But three of the key ones that we talked about was, first of all, his authority. Like the, the, the persons of the Godhead are different in their authority, right? You have God the Father who's kind of like this you know, sovereign, the, you know, the one who's kind of in charge being, if you will. And then you have God the Son who is the one who is sent by the Father. And then you have God the Spirit who is proceeding from both the Father and the Son. So there's an authority structure, a difference in authority. There's also a difference in roles. You have the pursuer, God the Father. You have the, uh, the Savior, God the Son. And you have the uniter, God the Spirit, right? And so there's different roles that they play. And then there's also just a difference in, in uh, their relationship with one another. There's Father, right? There's a Father figure. There's also this Son figure. And then there's the Spirit figure. So there's, different, uh, there's a difference in these uh, three persons. So even though God is one, we believe he also exists in three persons. So what does that mean for the, the, uh, who God is? We, we, we expand that. If, if God is one, but also this three persons, that means that they must have relationship with, with each other. And if they have relationship, what we can learn and extrapolate from that is that God is naturally, by nature, a relational being. Right? Sometimes we can look at God and we think that God became relational when he created. No, it's, he didn't. He's always been relational. He's been relational within the Godhead. There's been this conversation, there's this you know, relationship that's happened between the God Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, interactions that are happening there. But he, he, when he created, all he did was add different relationships that he's going to have. But he didn't become relational when he created, he already was. By nature, as part of his core being, he is a relational God. So let's look at 126 to drive this home a little bit here. Genesis 126. I will read it for you really quick here. First of all, it says this. Then God said, let us make man. Now notice quotations. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, this is obviously a big verse about humanity. We'll get there down the road. Right now, we're just zeroing on God. And what we see in this passage is, again, the relation, the eternal relationship of God. That he is, you know, there's let us. Like, there's this conversation that's going on in the Godhead. Let us make man in our image. And so we see that he is relationally at his core, and that means that when he created, he created for relationship, because this is naturally who he is. And so when he created his creation, he created it to be in relationship with him. This is just, this is who, natural, again, this is who he is. Now, if God is relational, that also leads to some other reality. And that other reality is that if he's, in, if he's a relational God, that means he also has to be a God who speaks. He has to communicate. Relationship is dependent on communication. If we don't have communication, we don't have relationship, right? We see this in our own relationships with people. We may know of names of people, but if we, we may have read even their books. But if, we, and if we've read their books, maybe we have some relationship because they're communicating, right? We can get to know who that person is a little bit. But if we, don't read, if we can't read their writings, if we can't hear their voice, if we can't interact or have any kind of communication, there's no relationship there, right? So relationship 
speaking, communication is part of a relationship. And so we can extrapolate from that that we have a God who communicates. And he communicates, this is part of his natural being again. Because he's relationally, eternally, right? He, he, this is who he is. He's got these three persons, right? So he's already relational naturally. He didn't become relational when he created. He also is communicating naturally. So this isn't a foreign thing. Like he, when he created, he didn't all of a sudden, okay, now I'm going to start speaking, right? He's already communicating within the Godhead. That's already happening. Again, Genesis 1:26. before even creation begins, he said, let us make man in our image, right? This conversation that's happening. Again, quotation marks. They're speaking. He's speaking to himself, in essence, or speaking to the other aspects of himself, right? This, this, uh, the other persons within himself. And so God is a communicator before creation. But also, isn't it something that God created through communication? You know, I think we skip by this sometimes, and we don't recognize how profound it is that God spoke creation into existence. Right? The very core of the beginning of all that we have, the foundational element that we see in creation is that God speaks. And yet, how often do we live our lives as if God is silent? How could we ever believe that God is silent if at the very beginning of anything, the very beginning of time, at the very beginning of creation, that the, he started it with a word, let there be Right? I mean, this is the God that we have. So not only did he communicate before creation, he communicated to create. And then, of course, he is communicating with his creation, starting with Adam and Eve, right? In the garden. You know, right after Adam is made in chapter two, right? God gives him instructions on what he's supposed to do. He speaks to him. There's quotation marks there, right? God is speaking and communicating to his creation. In Genesis 3, after the fall, Jesus, or God is walking through the garden. Adam, where are you? Right? He's look, he's speaking, right? So we have this God who speaks not just before creation, not just to create, but also he's speaking to his creation now. He's interacting. There's communication now, sometimes we get, okay, well, that was before the fall. But, you know, sin kind of destroyed everything and messed everything up. And so after the fall, really, you know, God doesn't speak. No, 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 wait a second. Let's read scripture, right? Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, and three, 1 to 3, right? All of a sudden, Abram, he's there. God speaks to him. Abram, follow me. I will take you, give you a promised land. I mean, all these, you know, so God is speaking. Also, uh, Moses, right? I mean, through a burning bush. I mean, God audibly spoke to Moses through a burning bush, right? So what do, you, what do you do with that? And then you go on to Joshua after him on the other side of the Jordan waiting to enter. And God shows up in this amazing chapter one of Joshua where God is saying, take courage, right? So you can do this. Stay strong. You can do this. Like, trust me. I am with you, right? God is speaking. Again, quotation marks. God is speaking. He's communicating with his creation. And we get to the you know, New Testament, we think, okay, well, then there's Jesus, right? And so obviously, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and we see this all over the place, the red letters of the, of the Gospels, right? I mean, is this great God speaking all over the place? And then we sometimes think, okay, yeah, but when Jesus died and then rose, then God got silent because, you know, now we have the Holy Spirit, so God doesn't have to keep speaking anymore, and it's kind of done. But wait a second, what about Paul? After Jesus He's died and resurrected and, and gone back to the Father. Paul, on his camel, 
cruising along, and all of a sudden gets knocked off his camel, and then God speaks. So we see that throughout Scripture, throughout history, God is a communicator. He's interacting, and this makes sense. If, if he's created us for relationship, and communication is a key to relationship, then we should expect that God is going to be communicating with us. He wants relationship with us. He's going to be communicating, and he is indeed still speaking. He's still communicating in our world today. There are too many of us, too many Christians in our world that believe that God is silent. They believe that, I mean, again, this is, this is a great source of God's word, and we need to know it, and he communicates very clearly through this. We'll get to this in a moment in more detail, but, but the, some people think this is the only way he communicates. So there's so much more. He, doesn't, he didn't just communicate to them. He is communicating to us in our life in very real, clear ways. He's still speaking, and, and so I want to spend some time on how he does that. There's, I got four, at least four ways that God communicates, and, and it's amazing. I, mean, I think there's just at least four, but I think there's so much more, because when, when you read scripture, you go, this is kind of amazing, right? Because God is speaking all over the place. There's all these conversations, and I think you know, we need to be careful to, uh, of thinking sometimes that uh, every time God speaks in the Old Testament, that it was verbal, like audio, audible. Right? Because sometimes we do that. We kind of just, you know, we think, oh, well, God, you know, kind of like, you know, this audible voice came out of heaven, you know, and spoke, right? But that's, I, I don't think that's true. I think God's audible voice is actually fairly rare. I think we can hear audible voice. I think some in scripture, obviously Moses, again, I mean, there's, there's a voice coming out of the burning bush, right? I mean, it's audible voice that Moses heard. But I think many times the quotations of God speaking is not something that's audible. It's something that's going on internally, the prophets, when they're writing stuff down, it's, this is stuff that's being revealed to them in their minds, in the reality. It's not just God, you know, always speaking like, you know, like audibly, right? And so for us to think, okay, well, I, unless I hear God's audible voice, that he's not speaking, that's a, that's, I think it's a wrong perspective. We need to recognize that there's a lot of different ways that he speaks. So the first way he speaks, as I mentioned, is God through his word, right? The Bible is an important, I mean, God has revealed himself to us. I think the Bible is the most foundational way that God communicates with us. And anyone who says they're a Christian, especially in America, who has access to this, we, we should be spending time in this. Because this is God's word to us. He reveals so much. This is, I mean, Genesis, this is you know, the messages that I'm preaching, right? Genesis, right? Revealing who he is, right? This, it, it's here. It's in the Bible. We can understand God because of this. We can understand the attributes of God because of this. And so we need to understand, because this is the most foundational truth, and through Scripture we get that truth, and we get perspective that we need. And, and God speaks to us, but it's interesting. Now, see, sometimes we can, again, approach Scripture like it's, um, like it's a textbook. right? And so we can come to it and thinking, okay, I'm, I'm just going to read this textbook about God's you know, word or God's voice or God's words to me, right? Instead of recognizing that, no, actually, this is, this is history. This isn't just some myth about God. It's not some story that somebody made up. That this indeed is historical document that is categorizing or cataloging for us God's words and work 
throughout history in real people's lives, right? And, and so to see that God is speaking to us through how God has spoken and worked with other people. This, this helps us in understanding, okay, how does God communicate, right? Uh, and, and so in some sense, you know, we shouldn't get shocked if, you know, this like floating hand comes out of the sky and begins to scrawl on the wall. Because it's happened before in history. This is not just some cute kid's story. This is real historical event that happened. God operated in this way. He communicated in this way by writing on the wall. More shocking and a little more fun, he also speaks through donkeys. Right? We shouldn't be shocked. I mean, we would be, but I mean, because it doesn't happen every day. But we shouldn't be surprised, right, if our cat, like, you know, our dog, you know, Mango, she's like, yo, what's up, bro? How you doing today? You know, I mean, I'm saying, but, but and the reason is, is because it has happened before in actual history to an actual human being. And so we learn so much about who God is and how he operates in this world through history, real, the way he's actually in, in, in engaged with people in the past. And because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can extrapolate that out. Okay, God may do that again. He may write on the wall again. You know, I mean, that whole scenario, you probably don't want it to go that way. If you're in that situation, you'd be kind of freaking out a little bit, I think. Or donkey starts speaking. I mean, those are extreme. You know, God can do it if he needs to, right? But you kind of don't want that to happen because those are bad kind of situations, right? So God can, but God can do it, right? That we'd be open to that. Hebrews 4.12, we read at the beginning that, God is, that God's word is active. It's alive. It's active. And again, it's, it's not dead. It's not just words on the paper. This is historical events, but they're, they're things that God continuing to do in our lives as well. He's continuing to communicate and speak. The next uh, conduit, if you will, of, com- of communication from God to us is through circumstances. Uh, the circumstances, I think, oftentimes are kind of the most practical. You know, just kind of like, it's, this is just kind of real life, right? Stuff happens. And, and from this practical communication from God in circumstances, we oftentimes will, he develops in us wisdom and discernment. That we're able to begin to kind of discern the times and what's going on in the world. That we'd be able to kind of have a view of this. It's interesting, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus is kind of saying to the Pharisees, he's like, you guys know how to read the weather, right? You look at the sky, and you know what's going to happen, and when the rain's going to come, but you can't discern spiritually what's going on. And it's not like, you know, you can't, but why aren't you? You know, that we, this is God, we should be able to read the circumstances, discern the circumstances of our life, and what is God communicating to us through that? And he communicates through good circumstances and events, but also through bad ones. We're going to later kind of dive into this big time, but the, the, the blessing of tragedy and struggle and pain and suffering that God can communicate to us through those things, to reveal to us our own sin or other people's sins. It's amazing, right? And so we have to recognize that God communicates through the good things and the bad things and the coincidences of life. I mean, it's just amazing. 
I, mean, we all, I think most of us, if not all of us, have experienced these coincidences, right? Where it's just like all of a sudden God is communicating the same word in several different areas. I, you know, I think of you know, Pharaoh, and this kind of lead into my next point as well. But Pharaoh, right? I mean, circumstances, right? God is like communicating loud and clear through 10 circumstances in his life to say, yo, let my people go, right? And that's how he said it too. Moses was like, yo, let my people go. Anyway, <clears throat> but, but Pharaoh's not getting it, right? But that's not all. It wasn't God just communicating like, okay, here's some circumstances, figure it out. But no, God also sent him Moses, which is the next way that God communicates to us through people. He sent him Moses to say, hey, uh, this is God. This is what he's going to do unless you let his people go, right? And, and so like, it's like helping him to interpret. But God does that with us, right? There's circumstances in life. There's, you know, we're reading God's word, and all of a sudden the scripture kind of says, oh, okay, well, God, what are you doing that? And then you, you go out and you're living your life, and, and, and someone's on the radio talking, and they, they use that same exact passage in whatever they're sharing, their devotion. You're going, oh, my gosh, what's going on with that? And then you show up at church on Sunday, and it's in the worship song that we're singing. You're like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? It's God, right? He's communicating. And he's, you know, he knows we're kind of dull sometimes. We have a hard time getting it, right? And so he shoots it at us in so many different avenues. But he also communicates to us through people. And I think the, the communication we get from people, how the way God communicates through people is oftentimes the most, obviously, the most communal, right? There's this connection between other people and that and the draws us into relationship. And through people, I think God often communicates inspiration and conviction. Inspiration and conviction. That, you know, how many times in our life have we listened to a sermon or a podcast or, or, or heard just a friend who came to us and began to share with us, maybe? Because so often people can see our lives so much better than we can, right? And they speak into our lives and it inspires us. It changes us, right? It makes something new happens in our life, right? I mean, it's, it's just amazing what God can do through people. But are we listening? Again, not only do we have the issue with sometimes just thinking that God is silent, and he's not going to speak to me, but even if we accept that God does speak, kind of like, you know, we select who he can speak through. We're just going to let certain people speak into our lives. But a total stranger, they can't speak into our lives. An enemy, they can't speak into our lives. A drunk, they can't speak into our life. Now let me share you some stories. So I, 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 one of the most impactful, biggest changes in my life that ever came, that, that la- really, when I think back, this launched, this, this, is where, this is why I'm at where I'm at today, right? This is, God used this guy in my life, and, and it was amazing. Anyway, so, but guy in the church, my first church I had been in ministry in way back in Ferndale, Washington. And God is good and, and, and doing my thing, but uh, I was in this weird spot where I just was trying to figure out where God was leading me. And so one of the uh, guys in the church, he actually was an elder at this time, and he and I had a, uh, we were okay, but we had a little tense relationship. I mean, you know, not tense in the sense that we were always at each other, but it was just kind of, he was kind of an, he was a little bit 
I don't know, different, right? And, and so I had a hard, a hard time getting along with him and understanding and totally respecting him. Respected him as an elder, but I didn't really respect his knowledge of the truth and of God and these kind of things. And it just didn't feel like to me he had a relationship. And anyway, so God uses him in an awesome way, in a painful way, but in a powerful way. He, so this guy, one day, he writes me a letter. <clears throat> and it was, and it still is to this day. Well, there's, I got two letters. That, this was the... This was the first. I got two really painful letters. This was the first very, very painful letter I ever received. And this guy, in about two pages of writing, just, just slams me, uh, calls me out, uh, challenges my manhood, basically says I'm just a, a, a whiner. And I mean, it just, and it wasn't, not, it wasn't like he was trying to sugar, it wasn't a Christian right? <laughs> he wasn't using Christian terms at all. I mean, he was, just, he was just laying it out. And I got done reading this letter, and I was so angry. Angry because, first of all, I didn't really like, like this guy or respect him as an elder, but angry as well. Like, this is not how you, I mean, if you got something against me, that's fine, but this is no, no, come on. There's, show me some grace here. Let's sit down. Let's have a conversation. Don't write me this letter just slamming me, right? So I was just angry, mad. And then somehow the Holy Spirit was able to get me through that anger and say to me, read it again. And so I did. And I read it several more times after that. And each time I did, the conviction dug deeper and deeper and deeper. And I realized this guy was right on. Everything he was saying. Doesn't said maybe in the right, right words in the soft way, but God helped me to see through all of that and recognize the truth. God can speak through our enemies. We, you know, he can speak in ways that are painful. Are we, are we open? Are we listening? Another time, I'm with a bunch of teenagers, about 25 teenagers in St. Louis at a life conference. Amazing conference. It's a great thing, but we're in St. Louis. If you know anything about St. Louis, it's a, it's a rough neighborhood, right? Uh, St. Louis is like crime capital of the United States, one of them. It's way up there, right? Lots of crime, and we're like in the middle of town. That's where this conference is happening. And we are in the park one night on a, on a uh, Saturday night, coming, going home on Sunday. Saturday night, we're in this park, and there's literally there's a drive-by shooting, Right? And, you know, we're all from, you know, eastern Washington. We're all, like, not used to hearing, you know, gunshots, at least, you know, not unless they're being shot at, you know, quail or something, right? You know, or ducks. And so, kind of, you know, it really, it, it disrupted us, right? And we were, there was, it was crazy. So the next morning, we like, what do we do with this? And so my leaders and I got together, and we decided, you know what? We're going to go back to that same park, and we're going to have a worship service. And we did. And it was amazing. It was just, oh, God was there. It was beautiful, right? And just kind of redeemed that park for us, right? God just kind of spoke blessing over that. But... Then we leave the park, right, afterwards, and we, like, we're getting lunch, and then we're going to be hitting, hitting the, uh, the airport and going home. And so as we're leaving, there's a, there's a street preacher that comes up to us and sees us, right? And he's like, uh, just this, you know, dynamic guy, right? Just, I don't know if you ever heard, you know, street preachers before, but they just, you know, they got that extroverted personality, right? And they just love to be around people and preaching and going, right? So anyway, he comes up to us, and he goes around the circle, and he, like, shakes every one of our hands. And as he does, he's like, you know, God bless you, God bless you. But then a few of us, he stops, and then he prophesies over them. And I'm like, you know, as a youth pastor, I'm going, first of all, I'm like, whoa, 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 bro, whoa, 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 that's my kid, don't, be, don't mess with my kid, right, you know, and, but, and then I was like, wait a second, as, I, as they're going, I'm like, oh, dude, this, oh, this is good, God's on it, right, I mean, this, he, he was speaking truth, it was, it was right on, and he knew things about these kids that he, that, you know, he shouldn't have known, because he just walked, I mean, off the street, it's a totally stranger, so I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, right, so we're like all on this high, so we take off after that, and 
walking down the street, and then the craziest thing. We're walking by this homeless guy who's obviously inebriated, and then he begins to prophesy over one of our kids. And, you know, you can imagine how I was like, street preacher. I'm like, hey, whoa, 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 bro. But this guy was like, really like, no, no, no. <laughs> Thank you very much kind of thing. But then again, the Lord just said, whoa, wait a second. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, he was, he was prophesying truth over this kid. And I, it just blew my mind. I was like, wait a second. Can God speak through a drunk? I had no idea where this guy's spiritual, you know, you know condition is. No idea. I just knew that he was a homeless guy, rags, obviously drunk, could smell it on his breath, and yet God used him to speak to one of our kids. God can use a donkey, right? Right? Is it, are we listening? Right? We always want to, you know, we want to only hear from the people that we want to hear from, you know, the, the people that we like, you know, uh, uh, you know we want to listen to a Scott, right? Scott Studebaker, right? Because he's an encourager, right? I love to listen to it. I love talking to Scott after preaching. I always feel better, right? Oh, that was amazing, Sean. You're awesome, right? Or, or like a Mike Mercer, right? I mean, another encourager, right? I just love talking to a guy like that who's just going to encourage you. He's never, I mean, do we only listen to them? Can God speak through others? Or, or how about a four-year-old or a five-year-old? Adriana Davis is always telling me in the office that her little Hannah is, is just preaching at her, these amazing truths. She's wrestling with something, and then Hannah just comes up and just shoots straight, and God speaks right through her. So can't, are, we, are we listening? Do we have ears to hear? Finally, I think God speaks to us also through our own thoughts. And through our thoughts, I think these, these are the most personal messages that God gives us. This is, this is where God kind of gets intimate with us. And you know, I, I've talked many times, you know, we can understand a lot about God in our minds, in our heads, you know, about, you know, this I can read John 3.16 over and over again every day and not understand and not know that God loves me. But when he speaks that to our minds, to our hearts, personally, then it's like, oh, now I get it. That, that, that personal knowledge that God loves me. We can get, we have to be careful with our thoughts, but we can get really, we can get really actually, we just distrust our minds. We distrust our thoughts. We distrust that God can communicate to us that way. And maybe rightly so sometimes, because, you know, we know the evil in our thoughts, right? I mean, we know the bad things that we think, right? And, and you know, thank God that no one else can read our thoughts, right? <laughs> I mean, that's just a great blessing, but God can read our thoughts as well. And more than that, God can give us thoughts. We have to accept this reality that God does speak to us in our minds. I've never seen it so prevalently than I have in the last three and a half years as the pastor of your church, this church. 
As God just, I feel like each week he just reveals, he speaks. He says, this is what I want you to preach. This is what you need to zero in on. This is what it, it, and, it and I know it's him because it's, you know, not my creativity. It's not, I, I know I can't do those things. I know that it's not, you know, my ability. It's God. We have to be careful, certainly. I mean, uh, we can have bad thoughts, too. And so we need to measure it from God's word. But I think sometimes some of us, we err on the other side too much and not ever thinking that any thought that I have might be from God. Our thoughts, but also our emotions. God uses our emotions as well to communicate to us. Again, emotions are fickle. fickle. We have to be careful with them as well, right? Just because we feel something doesn't mean it's true. But also God can use those emotions to reveal aspects of who we are or things that we're struggling with or sin or lies that we're believing. He can do so much. So we to pay attention to our emotions. Sometimes the tendency within Christian world is to just kind of push our emotions away. We're, you know, we're not going to let them control us. We're not going to let them speak to us. We're not going to let them you know, inform us. No, because they can't be trusted. So we push them off and we just zero in here only. And again, we need this. This helps to understand what the emotions are. But we can't push the emotions off. We also have to accept those as ways that God will communicate to us. Open up our hearts to that. Open up our minds to that. The amazing thing is this, is that I think God communicates in a lot of ways. Are you listening? All of us... I think, you know, we pick and choose how we want God to communicate. And those are the only ways we will hear him. And we are missing so much. If God, this is my conviction. If God is a relational God, that means he's a communicating God. If God has created me for relationship with him, then he is communicating with me. The only question is, I'm, is, am, I, is am I listening? We think that God speaking to us too often is a rarity. And I don't think it is. I think God is speaking to us all the time. And if we limit the way that God can speak to us, the way that we'll listen to him, then we're going to miss out. If we're not reading God's word, we're missing out. If we're not you know, paying attention to the circumstances, we're missing out. If we're not listening to other people, no matter who they are, we're missing out. If we're not paying attention to our thoughts and emotions, we're missing out. If we're not paying attention to the donkey, we're missing out. God is a communicator. And the reason that we can have confidence that we are hearing him is because of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but we've been given the spirit of God because only the spirit of God knows what God is thinking, knows what his will is. And we have been given that spirit so that then we can know the mind of God. This is an amazing truth. This gives us confidence to know not only is he speaking, but I can understand him if I just listen. Too many of us are afraid of making a mistake and hearing God's voice. 
And so we don't take steps of faith even though we know God's speaking. How many times have we sat in a a sermon where the the Holy Spirit is convicting us and revealing truth to us, calling us to do something, and it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult, but then we walk away and we begin to second guess. Nah, was that really God? No, I don't think. So we say, okay, God, you know, it's the fleece thing. Oh, well, let's put out a fleece. You know, the fleece thing is actually not an example that we're supposed to follow. It's an example of Gideon's lack of faith. truth is God does speak to us in so many ways. He does affirm his message in all of these different ways, but too many of us make him continue to affirm the message over and over again, like the Pharisees say to Jesus, show us a sign of who you are, then we'll believe. And what does Jesus say to them? There will be no sign for this evil generation except for the sign of Noah, right? Destruction. All right, worship team, come up. Just one last point, and this is an important point too. If God is relational, naturally, this is who he is, then that means he's also a communicating, a speaking God. And so if God is relational and communicating, that means that we can actually have a real relationship with him. You know, we're, we struggle because we are, we're born in this physical, tangible place, this world that we're in. We're praise the Lord that we have individuals that we can interact with, have eye-to-eye contact with, conversations with. We can hear the words spoken audibly. We can touch them and hug them and, and be there. And you can see this amazing relationship that we have with individuals. But sometimes we don't think that that's the kind of relationship we have with God. We think that it's, just, you know, it's kind of limited because you know, God doesn't you know, have a body. We can't see him. We can't audibly hear his voice. And so you know, it's somehow a lesser relationship. Too many of us as Christians today are settling for religion instead of real relationship. My people, church, listen. If you do not have and experience and enjoying an intimate love relationship with God, like one that you would have with a best friend, like one, the feelings that you would have with a best friend, the feelings that you would have with a spouse. If you don't have that with God, uh, uh, no judgment. Listen, it is possible. That is the relationship God wants us to have with him. We can feel his hug. We can see his eyes. We can hear his voice. Don't settle for religion. Continue to strive and seek and ask for that intimate love relationship that hits you emotionally, that inspires you, that ignites your heart, that gets you up in the morning and saying, what can we do today, Jesus? It is real. It is accessible. We can have an authentic an intimate relationship with our Father in Heaven. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are who You are, a God who is relational and has created a creation that is meant to be in relationship as well. Thank You that You are a God who does speak. You started it all through the words that You spoke and creation came to be. 
but you continue to speak throughout history and continue to speak to us today. I pray that you'd give us discernment in hearing your voice. Lord, there's those areas maybe, those conduits of communication that we've cut off. Lord, I pray that you would break open those walls and those doors and allow us to explore that. Let us listen and hear and be looking and, uh, and seeking your voice in everything. We would not be afraid to, to stretch ourselves in that way and, and recognize that you are a God who longs for this intimate relationship with us that is only fully appreciated in communication. So to help us to do that, help us to recognize that you have created us for this intimate relationship. It's not a religion. You describe us as your bride. It's the relationship that you have with your bride that you use to help us to understand what kind of marriage relationship we're supposed to have. But note in this passage in Ephesians 5, what you, how you describe your love for your bride, which is us. Hebrews, Ephesians 5, 25 and following. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless. Thanks, church. Have a great day.